From New Orleans, Louisiana, it's Empirical's PowerTech Podcast. This is the place where we talk about bringing technology to the power industry. Our goal is to educate you on the most popular trends, bring you actionable strategies from industry thought leaders, and help you make sure your utility is prepared for the future. I'm your host, Matthew Sachs, president of Empirical, former utility engineer and power industry advocate. Hey, it's Dave Mitchell. Thanks for listening to Empirical's PowerTech Podcast. Did you know that our core specialty is using 3D modeling and intelligent design tools to help you manage your projects? If you're curious about how 3D might save you money and improve the accuracy of your designs, visit Empirical.com. Scroll to 3D Strategy Planning Session and click Register Now for a free call with one of our certified specialists. We hope to talk to you soon. Our guest today is Nathan Wallace. Nathan is co-founder and director of cyber operations at Cyberical LLC. He holds bachelor's degrees in both electrical engineering and physics, a master's degree in electrical engineering, and a PhD in engineering with a concentration in cyberspace, all from Louisiana Tech University. He was instrumental in the founding of Cyberical with others, contributing his intellectual property to the company, and he continues to direct its operations and strategic future. Nathan, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. So you're a graduate of a fairly new type of engineering degree, cyber engineering. How do you define this nascent field of study? Yeah, so it's really this marriage between computer science and electrical engineering with a focus on security. So the nice part is not only does this teach you how to build in security into devices and the actual system, it also teaches you, okay, what are the theoretical ways to take out the system? You know, what would a hacker do to basically compromise at any level the different devices at the end of the day, right? His goal is to take out the entire system. So you kind of have to learn about the evil tricks so that you can fight them as the good guys, right? Yeah, that's it, right? I mean, that's almost, you're on that black hat versus white hat hacking, right? So you have to kind of walk that fine line there. You know, at the end of the day, it is about engineering these systems with a little bit more reliability. Sure. Well, you know, every one of us is impacted by this new cyber environment, whether because of online banking or social media or even just the credit cards we use. I see from the Cyberical website that it markets itself primarily to electrical utilities. What sets Cyberical apart from other players in this space? Yeah, so first and foremost, we're a licensed engineering firm focused on all cyber aspects of the grid. So this is really important because it allows us to help our clients secure the grid edge, which is arguably where it is most vulnerable. Secondly, as power system engineers, right, we're able to go in and determine at the operational, at the process level, what the impact of a vulnerability would be. And this is really important because it allows us to then come in and prioritize those vulnerabilities to figure out, okay, what do we need to take action on? So what do you see as the main challenges that these power system engineers of today face regarding cybersecurity? As far as power system engineers themselves, I think uh, there's two main challenges. So A, it's really now finding this balance between compliance and security. So the motivation for a lot of security is compliance focused. So the solutions are coming down from the actual compliance or back office IT department. Whereas security, honestly, as far as the implementation is fundamentally different. And then the second is how do we design security into these systems at that design phase? How do we build it in? And basically what we call this baking it in, baking in security versus bolting it on after the fact. 
That's interesting. It, it kind of makes me uh, think back to when the antivirus was kind of coming out and it was a purely defensive thing, you know, a mechanism in which you were trying to stay one step ahead of the black hats, if you will. But now you're talking about a much more proactive approach by this baking it into the design. So in other words, you're changing how you might design a system that you've known for a long time and all the techniques you've always used. Now we have to think about it kind of from a different perspective because you're looking for security features not just operational features to get a task done. Yeah, that's correct. And if we kind of look at the evolution of the grid, I mean, we're adding more intelligence, we're adding more cyber aspects. So it almost makes sense now that we have to add this new design element at this design phase. And you're right, we're basically highlighting and extracting those features that are already in the device and integrating it up for security, basically building the system for security. The electrical grid has been called the world's biggest asset because of course it's interconnected throughout countries and continents for reliability and was not meant for some of these security challenges necessarily. What are the kinds of threats that you see out there today? Yeah, so we actually call this uh, in the wild, right? So what are we seeing in the wild? Now, as far as some of the malware, some of the latest threats, uh, even coming down from nation states, we're seeing malware, malicious software that basically specifically targets control system environments. So what that means is these malicious applications, they're actually talking the protocols that are only utilized in the grid. So one example is uh, 61A50, and this is a modernized smart grid protocol, and we've actually seen to date, last year, about fall of last year, where malicious software actually had a module that allowed it to talk 61A50, this new smart grid protocol. So this is a case of the Black Hats catching up to where technology was. And rapidly advancing. That's it. And we have to figure out, you know, how to keep up as well and figure out how to detect these new and emerging threats. So how do utilities benefit from taking this on? I mean, I think it's easy to kind of stick your head in the sand and just kind of hope that it either doesn't happen or happens to the other guy or manufacturers will build and stuff. But really, how do utilities begin to address these issues? What are they going to gain from working with a company like Cyberical? So there's actually several benefits, even the ones beyond just the security. But the first one, you know, whenever you're solving these cybersecurity challenges, the first benefit is an overall increase in the cybersecurity posture. So what that means is the asset owner will now have the ability to detect, respond, and mitigate these various threats and intrusions, overall reducing that potential risk. One little less known is basically overall there's less operational downtime. So one of the side benefits of let's say implementing a security program is basically you're able to detect anomalies. One example is they had a decommissioned uh, computer. It was actually inside of a substation and it was talking DMP3 and they repurposed this computer and brought it back into the accounting department. And they were monitoring the uh, network traffic and it turns out once that computer was repurposed, it also started talking DMP3, trying to reach back out to the substation. Mm. So that's an example of basically, if you're doing this type of security monitoring, you can detect those issues to basically create a more healthy network, to create a healthier, more reliable cyber network. Two other benefits basically for the utilities is the cost to uh, meet compliance will actually go down. So as you implement these security methods and technologies, the cost to meet these compliance requirements and standards will actually go down because those mechanisms to extract that information is built in. It's basically engineered into that system. And then at the end of the day, right, it's all about helping to create this smarter, more reliable grid. 
And there's some uh, schools of thought that says, okay, well, to decrease our cyber vulnerability, we need to stop putting computers in the grid, right? And, you know, personally, I don't think that's the way to go because we can create this more reliable, resilient grid with intelligence. Uh, one example is they had a utility where they were able to reduce that three-day outage down to three minutes using computers. That's interesting. I kind of want to go back to something you said before about compliance. I think we all understand what it means, and obviously there's now a lot more enforcement around it with NERC having their ability to either penalize or hold people to what used to be just guidelines and standards are now mandatory. But really, what you're telling me is essentially that's just the minimum. That's not necessarily the state you're trying to achieve. That's actually the bare bones minimum. You're kind of looking for a greater sense of security that you want to build into these. Yeah, so in a lot of places, the uh, current security approach is really just installing firewalls. And basically, we're not monitoring events at the grid edge. And this is basically like building a city without cops, without traffic cameras, without radar guns. So how are you going to maintain security and civility in a city without a police force, right? So you can kind of almost equate that to what the current approach is in the grid. Which kind of sounds like the baked-in feature you were talking about before. You know, that underlying infrastructure is still there, still kind of the same kind of setup, the same equipment, organized and interconnected in the same way. Mm-hmm. But now you've got this other kind of monitoring security system that is integrated in and now inseparable. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. I mean, you can almost think of the roads as the transmission lines and the communication networks, but if we're not monitoring it, we can't protect it. So, I mean, honestly, how can you detect something if you're not looking, right? Right. Well, you formed a company with others to play specifically in this industry. How does Cybericle then help asset owners to combat these problems? We really developed a suite of services and solutions. Uh, The first one is engineering, and this is really focused on that cyber engineering aspect and basically where we're able to bake security in. And the benefit there is we're baking security in at the grid edge. And when you're inside of a substation or power plant, right, you have to have that engineering license to be able to legally provide some of these services. The second suite or service is cyber asset management. So this is where we're able to track vulnerabilities and patches and manage and maintain those reliable assets while they're out there in the field helping to create a reliable grid. And then the third service, which is really a really interesting service, we basically have a R&D lab where if a client would like to send us a device, let's say they're about to procure a new device and they're curious as far as the software or the capability, they could send it to us and we would actually give a free workup as far as if there is a vulnerability, you know, what would be the ways an attacker could compromise that device. And then the fourth one, which is something we're really excited about, is a tool that we created, a software application called Vigilant Grid, which allows us to monitor both the cyber and the physical aspects of the grid. You know, you're talking about the equipment, and clearly that's easy because it's tangible, right? Mm -hmm. Clients could give you devices and kind of want to get that peace of mind and say, hey, I've sent this to Cybericle, and they've tested in their lab and run it through its paces. I would imagine manufacturers could do the same, correct? Yeah, that's correct. In fact, we actually worked with a uh, RTU vendor and helped discover some vulnerabilities in their suite of libraries that they imported. So yeah, that is correct. We definitely work closely with vendors as well. well. You know, it's kind of a new day and age, and you've touched on what benefits that all this technology brings, but clearly it also brings opportunities for bad things to happen as well. And I imagine plenty of power system engineers, like me, do not have any expertise in the cyber engineering and they're facing these difficulties that you've described within their own systems. 
they probably find this new cyber world a bit daunting and perhaps are feeling overwhelmed. What's a good way for them to begin addressing these inherent cyber issues? How can they start learning more, kind of dipping their toe in the pool of, all right, let me wrap my head around what I really need to do as today's power system engineer? Good question. And I mean, we've had experienced colleagues and clients, you know, that have the full range of capabilities from the big IOUs, uh, investor-owned utilities, all the way down to the small munis and co-ops. And given that full range, it is almost a challenging thing, right? Where do I start? So to kind of help with that, we actually created a uh, iPhone app, the first ever iPhone app focused on power system cybersecurity with the intent of monitoring vulnerabilities. So we're tracking about 30 different vendors for vulnerabilities. So you can go select the actual vendor you would like to take a look at. And then there's a description of that vulnerability. And this helps you learn a little bit more as far as, okay, what's really out there? What are the issues? In addition, as far as some of the features built into this tool, uh, you can track the NERC SIP standards as well as some of the industry technical standards. So this just kind of acts almost like that roadmap to say, okay, where do I need to go and what do I need to do to help just start securing uh, your networks? So if I have the app, I could see all these manufacturers and their devices, whether I had them on my system or not? That's correct. Oh, that's pretty cool. And does it launch into all this other information or is everything just contained within the app? Everything's contained within the app. Uh, there are a few external links just so we can help stay up to date. Mm -hmm. But under, there's basically a, an extras button. So if you go under extras, you can view all of the uh, industry standards, uh, not only, like I said, the compliance standards, but also the technical IEEE and IEC industry standards. So now I essentially have all of that information on my hip or in my pocket, wherever I keep my phone, right there available and it's updated fairly often, I would assume? Real time, we actually uh, scan, we have intelligent software that we've developed in-house to scan, and I mean, it's pushing updates live in real time and uh, sending push notifications out accordingly. And so how do people get the app? So yeah, you can either uh, go to our website and we have a whole page dedicated to describing the app, or just load up uh, iTunes and you can directly search uh, through your app store, Vuln Tracker, V-U-L-N Tracker, and it'll show up. Very exciting stuff. Well, you know, it is a new day and age, but uh, I think people like you, companies like Cyberical, are the ones that are going to help keep those power system engineers comfortable, that they have kind of a guiding hand to help them navigate through this new future that we're all going to create. I think we want the benefits of the smarter grid and the real-time status and big data and analytics and all the other things that the computing power brings. But we also now know that we need to protect. Certainly there's been incidents in Ukraine and other places. And, and even in the U.S. we're seeing the reports of the hacking of industrial control systems and even utilities. So it's a clear and present threat. And I think engineers today have to step up and learn everything they can about it. And it sounds like you're one of the guys that can make that happen. Oh, yeah. We're going to be right there doing it. Well, thanks for being on our show. That was great. Thank you. Today we've heard how it's a brand new world for power system engineers. No longer is it sufficient to just design your system to achieve its operational goals. Now it's imperative to also design systems to achieve cybersecurity goals. Nathan Wallace and his team at Cyberical are at the forefront of developing tools to help utilities and other asset owners learn how to reap the benefits of technology while protecting their customers from cyber threats. If you need guidance on how to manage these efforts, visit Cyberical.com, that's C-Y-B-I-R-I-C-A-L.com where you can get much more information, download white papers, and learn more about the Volume Tracker app. Thanks for tuning in. You help keep this going. See you next time on the Power Tech Podcast. 
Well, that about wraps up this edition of the PowerTech Podcast. If you haven't yet, please log in to wherever you've subscribed to the podcast and both rate this show and leave a comment, as that really helps new subscribers in the power industry to find us. Also, for more free insights on bringing technology to the power industry, make sure to visit Empirical.com. We post free white papers, articles, and all of our previous podcasts there. Plus, you can register for a free 3D strategy planning session call with one of our 3D planning specialists. Again, you can do all of that and much more at Empirical.com. Please stay tuned and join us for the next episode of the PowerTech Podcast. And until next time, keep engineering powerful solutions.